0: Welcome to the Ask the Experts podcast.
1: Here's Karen Bhatia.
0: I am Karen Bhatia speaking with Joe Tessitore. Joe, how are you doing, my man? Karen, it's good to be with you. How are you? Doing great, and it's uh, a great time for boxing, as we know. And, and we're going to talk about the fight that, that you'll be calling this weekend. Of, calls, of course, Herring versus Stevenson. But before we get into that, I need to recap with you, Fury Wilder 3. You were calling the second fight. It was a great call and I'm sure you were a very interested observer as we all were uh, on that third trilogy fight. Um, so let me ask you this before we even talk about the fight. Uh, in your mind, with all the buildup and everything, did you expect the third fight to play out the way the second fight played out?
2: I thought it would be more of an exaggerated form of the second fight. Um, You know, earlier that day, and the reason I wasn't there in Vegas as part of the broadcast team was earlier in that day, I had my SEC football duties on ESPN. And the game I broadcast was 52-51, to an absolute shootout that had everything and anything you could imagine to it and more offense to last a lifetime. Um, And then I was able to fly um, home to Florida and watch that fight late at night. So I, I've got enough firepower and offense and knockouts from a day of football and a day of boxing to last me a lifetime. It was one of the great days in sports. I thought from start to finish between all the wild finishes and football right through sitting on the couch, watching Fury, Fury Wilder. I thought it would be a more exaggerated form of the second fight. It was on the Fury side, but it was such an unexpected performance on the Wilder side of guts, determination, willingness, um, life or death, desperation. It was spectacular. And I often use this phrase, Kern, when I'm broadcasting a fight, but guys who have a willingness to extend themselves past the point, past that threshold of what you expect them to be able to give or what the norm is to give. And the reason I love boxing, and I believe everything else is just a game, everything else is just a sport, and boxing is different, is we often see things when the sport is at its very best that we say to ourselves, there is no way under any circumstances I could do that, would be willing to do that, could, should, would, and your mouth is wide open. And that's what those two heavyweights delivered in that fight for me. It it delivered that.
0: That's exactly what it was, and uh, one of the tweets I made during the night was just simply "Oh my God!" And I think uh, so many other people shared that sentiment. And and you're exactly right. So when the fight started out, uh, Wilder actually did look motivated. He came out with the jab. Um, one interesting thing I noticed was in the corner, Sugar Hill Stewart went up to Tyson Fury and he said, "Keep setting the trap." And this was a yeah. little bit different Fury than the second fight in that he was, a little bit, uh, he was a little bit more cautious. He kept kind of holding Wilder's head a little bit. And it was like he was setting the trap. And eventually in the third round, he did get the knockdown. But then, of course, we know the shocking moment in the fourth round uh, where Fury gets dropped twice. So I wanted to ask you about this. I mean, in this trilogy, Fury has gotten up twice from two different knockdowns and never lost. And that's amazing. Um, What do you think about just just those moments in the third and fourth round? And and what what was going through your head when you were watching this?
2: It was like watching a movie. I mean, it was like watching what Hollywood tries to portray boxing to be and fails miserably often uh, because we often sit there and say, it's just grossly unrealistic. And this wasn't, this was real life. Um, So it was like watching a movie. But it's interesting, sometimes when we do many of the shows that you and I participate in whether it's the outstanding docu-series that you both were on air talent and and produced and directed leading up to the fight or some of the Barker shows they are filled with hype they are filled with um everybody selling a fight that then may exist may not exist in this case many of the sound bites. That you produce many of the sound bites that were put forth. I apologize for the wind here, but it's such a beautiful day. I want to be outside. I may have to go inside if you tell me to. But many of those sound bites that were used in the buildup to this fight, you were actually almost saying back to yourself while you're watching it. I, I I kept thinking to myself, okay, we explained what the Gypsy King is. You're seeing what the Gypsy King is. You're understanding that this has as much to do With ethnic pride, bloodline, baddest man on the planet, the guy in the saloon nobody can like. when you see him rising up and continuing to fight. Things that we said about Deontay Wilder, I remember there was one soundbite that you used um, where I believe I said, I don't care that I know who the better overall boxer fighter is. I don't care that I know who the favorite is because Deontay Wilder has the one thing, possesses the one thing that makes none of that matter. And don't you know that that right hand showed up, right? It showed up a couple times. So everything came to life. The way that we wrote the script, the way that we sold the bill of sale, the way that we hyped on the marquee, then showed up in the ring.
0: That's exactly it And, and another uh, member of the Countdown Show Was Brian Kenney And one of the things he said during the broadcast Was better even than we had hoped And, and I think yes. that, that sums it up so well And, and one of the great bites that, that you talked about Was Fury in that first fight with Wilder Getting up on the 12th round And what that actually represented In terms of where this man has been In terms of his mental health And gaining going up to 400 pounds With his resilience from getting up uh, By being dropped twice in this third fight And knocking down Wilder again And eventually getting the stop I mean, what does that say to you about everything in his journey and and the mental health and everything that that he's gone through? Well,
2: I think we're starting to get to the point of legacy defining with Tyson Fury. I really think that's where we're getting to here. I think we're now starting to have conversations. And I know it's the same guy you fought three times, but it's enough. Listen, many all-time great heavyweights are defined with rematches and trilogies. Um, and this is no different. But I think we're starting to get to that place, depending on what he do, does over the course of the next year, two years, where you can say we've got a defined concrete legacy and he stands here. And you're you're getting glimpses of why that's going to be. It's interesting because the run of the Klitschko's was superb, right? There was a talent gap and a physical gap between what the Klitschko's were and what everybody else was. There was uh, record streaks of wins and and a decade of not being beaten. But they didn't capture the imagination. They didn't capture the attention of the American boxing fan. And they weren't global phenoms. They were winners. They were great champions. They were, at times, unbeatable. But in just a short span of the rebranding of Tyson Fury, you have something that is already far beyond what we knew that stock price of the Klitsch goes to be. Not in terms of, you know, Uh, tangible accomplishments or resume or longevity. Uh, The Klitschkos were awesome. They weren't what we have right now. What this guy is, the energy he brings, the thrills he brings, and what he just delivered to the sport, the sport is in a better place right now than it was before the first round started. That's a fact.
0: It's almost like with heavyweight champion of the world, with that distinction, not only do you want someone that can beat the top competition, but also you want them to embody what that means as, as that yes. person that we look up to. And Tyson yes. Fury has certainly grabbed that with his personality and what he's done in the ring. Um, on the other side of it, after the fight, uh, we know, we know of course, Wilder knocked out. There was a clip that came out where Fury came over to him in the corner and Wilder said, I don't respect you at that moment. Now, he had just, to be fair, he had just been knocked out. And, and afterwards right. on social media, he has congratulated Tyson. In Fury. But in terms of the, the mindset of Wilder, right, before the fight, he, he dropped all of the conspiracy theories of the reasons he lost. I, I spoke to your broadcast partner, one of your broadcast partners, Mark Kriegel, and he, he said that actually that Wilder and Malik Scott had a late night conversation where they did acknowledge the loss. But that's not what Wilder said publicly beforehand, right? Um, just just take me into the head of Deontay Wilder now, moving forward, for him to have success. Is this a case where now he needs to do what he did after the second fight and not really acknowledge the loss and say, I'm still undefeated in my head? Or is this a time where he has to say, okay, this guy beat me and I need to go back to the drawing board and maybe make some changes? I
2: don't think he needs to reflect on Fury at all at this point, at all. And I think one of the things that surprised me of this fight is that I predicted, and I said it publicly, and if Deontay was right in front of me, I know he'd get mad at me. It won't be the first time he's mad at me. I've been face-to-face with the guy literally breathing down on me, you know, ready to kill me. Um, That's just who he is at times like this. Um, I I thought he'd be done at this level of the sport. No, he's damaged, and he's got to recover from that, and and he took a beating. But he's as marketable, and he's going to be as profitable um, as he could ever be because of the heart and willingness and fight and the right hand that he showed Um, fighting fury again. I mean, we know what we're getting there, but if you told me he stepped in with a reclamation project of Anthony Joshua or Dillian white or any of these guys, right? um, I want to see him fight because now I know exactly what he can deliver at this level, even at this stage of his career, and I think the guy served himself well. I thought he was going to be pushed out the exit door of the sport with a beat down. Instead, yes, he was beaten down. Yes, he was TKO'd. But he showed you courage, and he showed you a fighting spirit um, that makes you want to see him again. It makes fans want to buy one of his fights again. It makes you want to have him headline again. And that's good. By the way, that's what we had in the 70s, right? The golden era of heavyweights, they lost They lost fights, but the fights were so compelling. The competition was so good. The competitors were so spirited. The action was so movie scripted that you wanted to see Frazier again. You wanted to see Foreman again. Of course, you wanted to see Ali again, but Norton and Shavers. This is what the 70s were, the golden era of heavyweights. So God bless Deontay Wiley. He served himself
0: well. Deontay Wilder says he's rehabbing the injury. He wants to come back in spring of 2022. And, and at this point, he is must-see TV, to your point. Nothing wrong with taking a loss. Muhammad Ali had five of them. Sugar Ray Robinson right. had some losses. It's, we, we know that, that, that there's nothing wrong with that, and that just shows that you're fighting a high level of competition. Um, let me ask you this about Fury. Uh, we know that last time he reached the mountaintop against Vladimir Klitschko, became the lineal heavyweight champion, won a bunch of belts. He had the mental health issues. And kind of went off. We didn't see him for years. One of the things that was so interesting about this trilogy is that Wilder was actually a challenge for Fury. When Fury was 400 pounds and he was walking because he couldn't run, he, he took out his phone. Fury took out his phone and saw Deontay Wilder calling him out, and that motivated him. Well, that motivation, he, he's gotten to that mountaintop once again. And uh, in, in, in his tweet, he said he may not even fight again. Do you think Tyson Fury will fight again?
2: I always give pause to anything a fighter says uh, subsequent to a fight, and especially immediately following a fight like that. Um, A fight that had postponements. Remember, you know, I don't know that I I think we may have dismissed talking about the fact that he was COVID positive at a certain point. You know, the impact that that has as well. Um, So I I do think he will fight again. I think he's a fighting man. That's what he does. I think there's still legacy to finalize and define. I think there's a lot of money to be made. A lot of money to be made. I think he's a a global superstar. Um, And I think the guy loves Vegas. I think he loves those Vegas runs and being the man. And, I mean, you saw the video of him out and he owns king of the town when he fights, right? So, yes, I do think he will fight again, and I dismiss anything that is said following a fight like that.
0: And most likely, uh, or we hope so, that we'll see him in the ring uh, uh, again. Uh, I spoke to Roy Jones, and, and his, his take on it was that he doesn't necessarily want to see Fury versus Usyk. Uh, he feels like that would be a very technical fight. And th- there's people – uh, that maybe he would like to see get their shots. We know that Usyk is going to take on Joshua again in that rematch first before anything happens. But would you like to see? Because sure. in, in in this yeah. sport we're seeing so many unification fights. That would be a huge one. Would you like to see Fury versus Usyk? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
2: I'd want to see Fury versus Usyk, and and Usyk obviously smaller man, but incredibly skilled, incredibly skilled. Uh, but yeah, I'd want to see. I'd want to see you know the the heavyweight champion against a guy who's got belts in the heavyweight division. I mean that's the way that I think you have to properly frame it. Um, I would love to see that. You know, Usyk's a, a heavyweight champion, but Fury's the man of the heavyweight division. So I would absolutely welcome that. Listen, I want to see Tyson Fury in against anybody. Absolutely anybody. I mean, you know, people dismiss certain fights that he's had, and they ended up being thrillers. I mean, Otto Wallin was a thrilling fight. Um, I don't even care if Tyson Fury is in where you know he's he's got an overmatched opponent. It's Tyson Fury. He may be the best personality in all of sports right now. I Personally, I don't think it's close. He's a one-man show. I mean, the guy fought Tom Schwartz. You know he's going to beat Tom Schwartz, but he puts on a show and 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 you get some spectacular moments. And anytime that guy's on the mic leading up to press conferences and media tours and weigh-ins and post-fight sing-alongs, it's just – it's a spectacle. Um, to me, he's very retro. Um, he harkens back to not just – when we say the golden age of the heavyweight division of the 70s, but everything that came with that era. He's got some
0: evil Knievel to him,
2: you know? So I I love it.
0: And so just to put a button on this trilogy before we move on to Herring Stevenson, um, you know, there's so many times, you you, you spoke about this a lot before, that there's so many times that we hype up a fight and we we promote it and it doesn't live up. This exceeded all of the expectations. Uh, When you look back now, now we're about a week and a half removed, um, where does it rank for you in terms of great moments, great fights that you've seen? And what did it mean for, for our sport to have something like this? I think it probably means more to our sport than it
2: is on the list of all-time great. It's not on the list of all-time great fights. I mean, let's not be silly here. It's a heavyweight championship where you have multiple knockdowns and both guys hit the canvas. So right away, that's going to elevate it just in terms of drama. For the mainstream fans and for the impact it had on the sport, it was huge, Right. It's a heavily watched football day with mainstream attention, with everybody funneling towards the heavyweight championship, and then the heavyweight championship over delivers, and you have a bombastic, massive personality um, who has this. You know, Tyson Fury. Let's not let's not dismiss this. Tyson Fury's not the American. Tyson Fury's not like Tyson Fury is the six foot nine Brit. It doesn't matter. There's no borders with this guy. Everybody's just drawn to the energy, the personality, the action. And then Deontay Wilder served himself well as well. But um, I think it was huge for the sport. So it ranks very high in terms of impact on the sport. I wouldn't put it up there in terms of my short list or even my extended list of all-time great fights. It's a great heavyweight fight. A great heavyweight fight. Um, but my list of all-time great fights, I mean, we're, we're, that's a different stratosphere of matching skill and action. That's, you know, Castillo Corrales and Gaddy Ward and, you know, stuff even beyond that. And, and, uh, um, but it was a wonderful night for the sport. Wonderful current.
0: One of the best parts is that when mainstream fans tuned in, they got their money's worth and enjoyed the sport, which sometimes that's doesn't important. happen on big, big yeah. boxing events. That doesn't, they don't always deliver. And then you right. can kind of have mainstream fans said, oh, well, that's why I don't you know, care about boxing enough. Uh, well, I think I think this- I, and I've
2: said this before, and I know he hates when I say this, but we, we, we've had to weed out the garden of the Floyd Mayweather generation. I mean, that's really what, that's what this fight does really well. And we've been doing that for a few years. We've had great fights, um, but the general public got so conditioned to paying a lot of money to watch a guy whose skill level is so beyond everybody else's for those years and didn't give a crap about delivering to the fan. He wanted to deliver to his pocket so he would not make entertaining fights. And he was the greatest business manager of all time and matchmaker for himself of all time. So weeding that garden of those years of Floyd money grabbing, that, May be the greatest benefit that this sport put forth, that this fight put forth.
0: Absolutely, Uh, Floyd. So so skilled, so technical, and so defensive, but not always eye catching to people who may not know what they're watching or are just tuning in. uh, Not the second half of
2: his career. The second half of his career was damaging to the overall health and welfare of the sport.
0: And one fight that is not going to be damaging and uh, to the overall health of the sport is this weekend, October twenty third. And I have to ask you about this. Uh, of course, it's going to be on ESPN, Jamel Herring uh, versus Shakur Stevenson. I think a lot of people are excited uh, for this fight. Uh, we, we know that there's going to be a little bit of an age difference there. They're both southpaws. Um, they're both uh, doing really well recently in their careers. And I think that, yes. you know, that's what they're kind of trending you know, both upward, which is what makes it so exciting. Uh, tell me why you're excited about this card on Saturday.
2: Well, Shakur Stevenson is, um, has been on the path of being a rising superstar now for some time. And his skill level and his athleticism is beyond Jamel Herring. But Jamel Herring is sitting there as this tough, gritty, amazing story who the back half of his career, really the most recent years of his career, since he teamed up with Bo Mack and Bud Crawford and the entire uh, Omaha slash Colorado Springs team, um, has been easy to root for. And you're seeing a better fighter every time out. Uh, it's not often we talk about the world champion as an underdog, but he's a clear underdog in this fight with, with Shakur Stevenson going, trying to now claim uh, his second division world championship. Um, the fact that you have two guys that everybody assumed, wait a minute, how can they be fighting? These guys are friends. They're in the same camp. Uh, it doesn't matter here. They're not the closest of guys. They, they overlap with similar circles. Bud Crawford is basically an older brother to Shakur Stevenson. Uh, but he's a stablemate of Jamel Herring's, and Bo Mack will be in that corner, Brian McIntyre. Jamel Herring is as easy to root for a fighter as there is in the sport. He served um, two tours of duty in Afghanistan. He served their country nine years in the Marines. He was a late bloomer who had overcome a lot of adversity for the first part of his boxing career, including two losses to Southpaws. He then signed with top rank. He started training better. He got a title opportunity that many thought he wouldn't win. He wins it. He's inspired by uh, and overcoming the grief of the loss of his baby daughter 10 years to the uh, 10 years later he wins a world title on her birthday. He's a wonderful representative of the sport. On the other side, you have an ultimate blue-chip prospect, a U.S. Olympian, um, a golden child of an early signing to a mega contract, Um, sublime skill who outclasses everybody who he's in the ring with, who gets better and better and better. And then most recently with his defensive prowess takes a heaping of criticism when he fights an opponent who everybody thought, okay, now you got somebody. All right, we we know you don't get hit. We know you're better than everybody. Go get rid of somebody. He doesn't get rid of somebody. And now he gets panned for having um, a somewhat boring style because he can just outclass everybody. Well, I think Shakur Stevenson's really pissed off, and I don't think he took to that criticism that was put forth, and I think he's going to go out there and show it on Saturday night. But I also think you're constantly getting a better version of Jamel Herring, and he's coming off of his best career win. I mean, he looks sensational against Frampton. I know he had physical advantage against Frampton, but he was much the aggressor. He showed knockout power that we haven't seen before. Um, and I think as the years go on, even though he's in the autumn of his boxing career, he's going to be 36 a week after the fight. He's 35 years old. I think you're going to get the absolute best version of him. And I think he also knows, current exactly what he needs to do stylistically. And that is press and smother and be aggressive and force Shakur Stevenson to fight on the inside and not sit there at mid-range and on the outside and utilize that incredible skill and in hand speed and foot speed. So I think it's a fascinating world title fight. Uh, come Saturday night with a very big prize of unification against Oscar Diaz on the back end for the winner.
0: Two motivated men. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing it. This is just Stevenson's 17th fight, and this is what we want, right? We don't want guys to go up to 20 to 20 and 0, 25 right. and 0 without facing a test. Uh, and Herring, you know, a former Marine. I mean, you you know that he's in there tough, and and he's. Uh, you, know, you know it's going to be a spectacular fight. Uh, last question before I let you go. There's also some good names on this undercard. Xander Zayas, who's, who's the teenage phenom. Yeah. Um, he's been very, staying very active. And then, of course, Nicole, uh, Nico Ali Walsh. He's the, uh, Muhammad Ali's grandson. Um, so I'm sure that you're excited about the whole night, but, but I'm sure this undercard intrigues you as well. Well, Nico Ali Walsh uh,
2: doesn't sit there and try to pretend that he's going to uh, fill the shoes of the family legacy as much as he's going to extend the family legacy. I think the kid's awesome. I think he's great for the sport. He's got a wonderful personality. He's really committed to what he's doing. And he understands why he's doing it. Doesn't need to be doing this. Understands why he's doing it. What we find, and it happened with his pro debut when he was on Good Morning America, the Today Show, World News Tonight, when you have mainstream media covering the sport of boxing because of a guy making his pro debut who has that last name, enough said. So there will be people in the endemic media, people in our circles of boxing who say, why is he getting all this attention? The kid's just learning how to fight. He's being thrown in and he's getting all this attention, TV, airtime, a lot of promotion. Yeah, you're damn right. It's Muhammad Ali's grandson. Okay, so. When my wife and her tennis playing friends and when my football crew members in the production truck are saying to me all week, oh, Ali's grandsons fighting. Oh, that's great. What time is that on? That matters. So enough said there. Xander Zayas, on the other hand, I, I think is a blue chip prospect who's going to shine. I think he can already do things as a teenager that we seldom see. And I think as long as they match make things correctly and they allow for him to take the proper steps. Uh, not take on more than he can handle, but grow incrementally. Uh, I think we're going to be talking about Xander Zayas the way we talk about a lot of these other guys who at 21, 22, 23, he's only 19. But in their young 20s, the way Tia Fimo, the way Shakur Stevenson, his 13th pro fight, I I think he's going to be fighting for a world title in the coming years.
0: Definitely someone to look out for. He's got a great style and a great personality. Uh, so this is going to be a fantastic card. Joe Testor, you've been so generous with your time. Thank you so much. We know Jamel Herring versus Shakur Stevenson is this Saturday, October 23rd. It's on ESPN. Joe Testor, thank you so much for the time.
2: Great to visit with you as always. And uh, for all the fight fans out there, we got a great weekend ahead. Keep enjoying it.
0: I am Karan Batia chatting with Eric Paulin. He's the showrunner, senior producer for Fight Camp and a bunch of other great programming. Eric, how are you doing, man?
1: I'm great. It's always good to do these with you. I look forward to them.
0: Yeah, and let's talk about your process, your work. Of course, last week we had Fury versus Wilder 3. The fight did not disappoint. I want to ask you about the fight, but... Let's talk about these shows, uh, Fight Camp, um, Inside Fury, camp, Fury Wilder. It might be a better name for it. Um, you worked on the second fight. You worked on programming for the third fight. Uh, so let's start there. Anything different that you noticed? Uh, you know, you're seeing the footage coming in. You're seeing things that, that uh, you know, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people aren't seeing from training camp. Anything different that you noticed for either guy from camp for fight two and fight three?
1: Well, the biggest difference was Malik Scott. I mean Malik Scott was a character and a very um a big presence, very honest, very open, very interesting um and you know from what you saw on the raw footage and then what you saw in our show and from what um you know you hear back from the guys in the field um Jeff Newton he said it, Malik was just everything and more and um, they were hard. You could see it. Uh, very gregarious, very confident. It was a very confident camp, um, Deontay's camp, as was Tyson's. Um, Tyson's always confident, and Tyson's always interesting, and uh, Tyson's always fun to deal with. Uh, and I-, I guess Malik was the biggest difference, just that presence of – that guy who was in control of that camp.
0: It was a change for Wilder, of course. We know he fired Mark Breland, and it seemed like J.D.'s was still involved in camp, but no longer the head trainer, Malik Scott, coming in. Interesting that Wilder knocked out Malik Scott years ago, and they said uh, on on some of the programming that that actually brought them closer together. It did seem like a more confident Wilder. Um, but what was interesting is in the initial press conference for the fight three Wilder wouldn't take any questions. Um, he had his headphones on, but then in the fight week press conference, he was much more confident. Uh, he was a little looser. Uh, I'm wondering if you think that that had to do with Malik Scott's influence and, and kind of the, the mind, sh- you know, the mindset advice that maybe Malik Scott gave to him.
1: I don't know. Maybe, I mean, there were, you know, Deontay spoke to the Fox crew and we used a lot of that in your show. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't, I, I think it was just kind of a psychological ploy at that point uh, that was done on June 15th, you know, when the fight was supposed to be July 24th, right? July 24th was supposed to be the first fight. So that was the first time that they had seen each other in, you know, 16 months at that point. And I think Deontay just kind of wanted to go about his business and, not answer any of the questions it was the first time he was on in in the public's eye since since the knockout in in february of february 22nd of 2020 with COVID and everything and i think that there was a lot to cover and i just think that he wanted to worry about the fight and he was very focused about it and tyson was tyson in that when that in that first press conference and the second press conference um and there's a lot of joy between them. There's a lot of, um, I mean, th- they're always interesting. And Joe Tessator and Brian Kenny really put it so well in the Countdown show that you produced that th- they will be um, they'll be intertwined for the rest of time. When you think of Deontay Wilder, you'll think of Tyson Fury because of the magic of. Of the three fights and they were really, really good dance partners. They were very good for each other. They were the yin and the yang and they were both big with the perfect names, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder and and not one of those fights disappointed.
0: Yeah, it's funny, it's, it's not even like yin and yang, it's almost like yang and yang, or ying and ying, like, because they're so similar in terms of their big personalities and they can knock people out and they're larger than life. Um, so you mentioned the changes in Wilder's camp, of course, bringing in Malik Scott, it seemed like you know, he, was, he was changing things up, trying to figure out a new strategy, which, which he should do. Um, did you notice anything different in terms of some of the training footage or anything you saw from the Tyson Fury side? We we know he brought in Sugar Hill Stewart for fight two. The game plan was to come in as the bigger guy. In that fight, it was 273 pounds. In fight three, it was two hundred and seventy-seven pounds. Um so obviously, you know, he was kind of just continuing to do what is working. Did you notice anything different on the Fury side?
1: No, not really. I think that he and I think that he and Sugar Hill, because Sugar Hill came in late in the game the last time. Um and I think that he and Sugar Hill had grown. I think that um, I think that Sugar Hill is very, very seasoned, very intelligent. As you sh- as you saw in our in our show number three, when he went back and looked at the fight, um, the the second fight, he he's pulling out little things, little things that you know that that the average boxing viewer wouldn't see, and you know he he'd say you know something to say look, look 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 what's happening here we planned this this is exactly and and both times in the in the second and third fight um tyson was not shy tyson and sugarhill were not shy about saying what they were going to do and they really went out and did it um definitely more so in 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 fight 2 cuz fight 3 was a much better more competitive fight but um you know they came up with this game plan in and, in and, before the second fight, and they really followed through with it in the second and the third fight. Again, it was more successful in the second fight because we saw much better Deontay Wilder in the third fight.
0: We certainly did, and I want to ask you about the fight. But uh, just continuing on some of this sure. pre-programming here, um, you know, these follow docs. You're in camp. You're embedded with these guys. And and when I interviewed Mark Kriegel about the fight, he mentioned that even though publicly Wilder was saying that uh, you know Fury cheated, he mentioned. Uh, he said his gloves were loaded. He said my outfit was too heavy. My my trainer spiked the water, and those are only a few of the things he said. Um, he, Mark Kriegel said, and I, I think it's been reported elsewhere that at a certain point, Malik Scott went to Wilder and said, "You lost this fight, um, and you need to make adjustments." And so privately, they, he you know understood that he lost the fight, um, and, and I don't know how much you know of cheating he actually felt inside. It's different than what he was saying publicly. I'm just wondering if that's maybe the sense that you got uh, seeing Wilder train for this third fight. Did you feel like it was a man who knew he was beat or was it a man who felt he was cheated um, and and was just trying to change things up this, this time around?
1: It it was, it's, it's hard for, it's hard for me to tell, you know, not being there, but they were just focused on the fight. They were, you know, they, they did not want to go back and talk about the second fight. You know, they, they didn't answer questions about it and they, they wanted to go forward. And I think that they really did. Um, When we first got down there um, and and the crew had been down there now, that was the the fourth time that we had filmed with them. Um, They were very serious. You know, they were very business-like. It was, it was, um, he's always very accommodating to us. Deontay's always very accommodating to us and he built his new bomb squad island. So he did a lot more training out at the house now. And, Um, He was very welcoming to our crew, but it was very, very businesslike. It was, um, there was no screwing around. There was no, not that there was before, but it was just a different kind of focus. You could see it in his eyes. You could hear it in his answers. Malik too, just very focused on getting, you know, again, first to July 24th and then getting to um, October 9th.
0: So one thing that Wilder said uh, during the buildup was that this time around with Malik Scott, and we've been talking a lot about the changes he made. One thing he did was bulk up. Uh, and actually into in this fight, he came in at 238 pounds. That's a career high. Uh, and he said during the build-up that I can bench 350 pounds, so I can bench Tyson Fury. To me, you know, we, we've heard people say that, you know, weightlifting like that may be not the best thing to do as a boxing workout. Uh, I think he actually did that as a more mental thing because he was beat up in that second fight by a bigger man. And I think he was saying in my head, well, I can bench press this guy. That makes me feel strong. And that gives me maybe a mental advantage. Uh, I'm just curious your thoughts on that. And also if you noticed more of that in terms of the training stuff that he was doing, was there more weightlifting and more strength training involved?
1: There wasn't any more. I think that it was a, I think that they, uh, there's a scene in the third show where he's really pumped up to, to lift that amount of weight and he did a lot of that on instagram too so i just think it was kind of something to psych him up and they always had a lot of fun those guys um even in their serious times there's always joking um you know with his guys and and there's the great scene, you know, my little fighter and show three where they're just hugging and laughing. My little fighter needs to, you know, Joey Scott is a strength and conditioning coach. Who's trained Olympic athletes is telling Deontay, my little fighter is my little fighter is pouting. And they just do like, it's just so fun over there. Tyson's camp is the same way. I mean, there's the scene where, um, uh, uh, Isaac, one of his training partners, and 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 uh, Sugar Hill are doing a planking contest, and Sugar Hill, you know, who's double Isaac's age, wins, and they're all laughing about it. And they watched a soccer match, and they, they, I think both camps have a very good chemistry, uh, really, really good chemistry. And those two guys, you could watch them, you could watch them forever. You can watch them; they're interesting and they're smart, and there are articulate and they're fun and they know how to promote a fight i mean that's ultimately what it what it comes down to they know how to promote a fight and both of them did, did a very good job of that and then they delivered
0: they delivered at an an amazing amazing level and, and that's what i wanted to talk to you about next the fight itself uh, and real quick on, on something you just said I, I do think that sugar hill now working with fury i think they're clicking more even just as uh, like a partnership especially after the fight after the third fight you see Tyson Fury in the post fight press conference with no shirt on and right next to him is Sugar Hill Stewart with no shirt on um, so it's almost like they bonded in that way and I'm sure they're going to continue to bond if uh, Fury does continue uh, to fight and I'll ask you about that in a sec but let's let's talk about this fight so this fight, I mean, this had every possible storyline you could ever want. Uh, and, and I said that for the second fight. It was also true for the third fight. It's heavyweights. It's one undefeated guy, one guy who's only lost to that one guy, uh, trying to get his belt back. Um, it, it's, it's, it's literally everything you would ever want. They're great talkers. Um, and, and there's the whole storyline with Wilder accusing Fury of what he's accusing him from. And, and you're just looking at what adjustments can be made. Now, I don't think anyone realized this fight was going to be as good as it could be. And, and, and Brian Kenny said in the beginning of the broadcast, he's like, we kind of know what's going to happen, but do we really know? And mm-hmm. that kind of proved true. So yeah. early on, these guys are in the ring. Fury's, Fury knocks down Wilder. And, and we're probably all thinking, here we go again. And I think that next round, the fourth round, I believe it was, is when Wilder started to have success and knocked down Fury twice. Uh, take me through the early rounds. I mean, I mean, is that what you were thinking when Fury got the knockdown? Yeah. Here we go again?
1: Yeah, let's go back a little bit. I mean, um, I think it was the first time that Deontay came out first in a long, long time in a fight, maybe since Stavern when he wasn't Probably the since champion. Duvern won, yeah. And he kind of made everybody wait around a little bit. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't. You know, the costume this time was a little. Um, it wasn't as big. It wasn't. But he came in and he did his thing. And from the minute that they finally got to the intros. You know there was an electricity in the building that I don't, I don't know because I remember Brian said that with Lennox and um, and Andre um, and 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 I was like yeah maybe 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 we know what's gonna happen but then then they start coming into the ring and the electricity starts and Deontay looked good he looked really good he held the 238 well Tyson held the 277 pretty well as also and then the minute the fight started Deontay had a plan Deontay was throwing those jabs and he threw some hard punches he was the aggressor and looked good in those first two rounds and you started thinking to yourself okay here we go you know this is going to be more like the first fight than the second fight and then the third round comes along, and Tyson, uh, I think it was a four-punch combination that knocked that knocked um, Deontay down. And you said, oh, oh, here we go again. You know, Tyson's just so good and so adept for a big man and moves so well, and he's so strong. But Deontay got back up. Referee said right away, you ready to fight? Yeah, come at me, yeah and he gets through the, th- the third round and the fourth round to me came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I just didn't expect, I don't know why, but I just didn't expect it, but the heart and the guts and, and that'll be a theme um, really for, for both guys, but the heart and the guts and the, and the, the fire of both guys was really there in that fourth round because Deontay showed what he has shown for 40 some odd fights that those, those combinations, that big, right. And all of a sudden Tyson's down and you're like, Oh my God. And and everything started to change. Everything started to change the arena. You could feel it. You could feel it from watching at home. How uh, again, electric it was. And, um, and, Deontay didn't let him just get back up and you know come back he went right back at him and he knocked him down again and uh you're like oh my god we've had three knockdowns in four rounds and it was it was so exciting it was so much fun to watch it was and I thought that the broadcast team was all over Andre Ward is spectacular you know um his insights and and, and Lennox and Brian, they, they really did a great job of telling the story of the fight and keeping you abreast of what was going on. And, you know, by the time that that, that fourth round came, around, came to an end and Deontay was pumped up and, again, three knockdowns in the, in the first 12 minutes of this fight, wow. It was just wow. And, and, and we still have eight more rounds to go.
0: One of the things Brian Kenny said during the broadcast, which I completely agree with, is better even than we hoped. And yeah. it, it kind of reminded me of the great Emanuel Stewart call, which was during uh, Gotti Ward. He said, uh, you dream of fights like this, and this is even better than you could have dreamed. And that really was what was going on uh, in that fight. One thing I noticed was a different strategy from each guy early on, which was, First, Wilder came out working behind the jab. He actually landed three jabs in, in the first round. And, we'll, and I'll talk to, to you more about that later because I think he could have landed a lot more, at least thrown a lot more. Um, but uh, it seemed like Fury's plan was to kind of hold him, put him in a headlock a little bit. And it was interesting. When, when Fury went to the corner after round one, Sugar Hill whispered, keep setting the trap. So it was almost like they, this is kind of what they wanted. And then he did get the knockdown. What they didn't realize what was going to happen was in round four, like we talked about, uh, Wilder knocking down fury two times uh so let me ask you this and i tweeted this i'm i i do not know if what the exact stats are but fury has to be like one of the top performers or, or top fighters after getting knocked down he got knocked down against cunningham he came back to to win that fight he got knocked down twice uh against wilder the first time they fought he came back to do well in that 12th round In this fight gets knocked down twice gets himself together and he comes back to do what he did, which we know is eventually get the knock, knockout and a bunch of knockdowns on the way. What do you think about fury and just the fact that he was able to get up? I mean does that, does that take away uh, you know a little bit from Wilder mentally? Is it like, oh, I gave this guy my best two shots, and he, he did go down, but he got up. Um, uh, so what does that say about both men in terms of that, that fourth round?
1: I, I think that Tyson fury is is incredible. I mean I literally saw a picture today on Twitter of the, the the knock, the second knockdown of the, in the 12th round of the first fight and his eyes are closed. I mean, he has gone down. I remember watching it live. I've seen it many, many times from many, many different angles. And not only is he, I mean, he is, as he's going down, he's kind of out on his feet. And then Deontay gets the left in to kind of, you think finish things up, and he's down, and he's like out. And Teddy Atlas and Joe Tessitore said it so well in both of those countdown shows about you know Tyson had gone through so much to get to that point that he almost had to pick himself up and and fight his way back. And it wasn't as dire in in the fourth round this time, but he was loopy. I mean, he was loopy, and and you know this is a guy who. I think he was surprised by it. I don't know why he was surprised by it, but maybe after the second fight, he didn't give Deontay as, as much credit. Um, but he, he came back. And then I, I think from the fifth round on, he really found his his rhythm, um, which he didn't have really at all. Even in the third round, he, he got in some big punches, but he found his rhythm. He started dancing. Um, he's an amazingly, I mean, if you've ever seen him in person, I mean, the six, nine is you, you, you you, all of a sudden he walked by us in the second fight when we were filming him walking in. And I, I was just startled by how big he was. I was startled by how big Deontay was, but I was just like, I don't know. It was just, he's so big. And so um, he, he is, he has such incredible footwork for a heavyweight. He can really dance around and there's that great, set of shots i don't remember which fight he's in where he's moving his head back and forth back and forth and four punches miss him i don't know if that was the Waleen fight or the i think it was the Waleen fight i don't remember it was either
0: walleen or tom schwartz was one of those it was
1: one of them uh i don't think tom schwartz was long enough but he i think it was the he's just dancing back and forth and you can't hit him and he really found his rhythm and then what happened after that was i mean there were just there were just combinations and bombs and coming from both sides, um, and it was it was fun and the guys were eating punches and they were getting uh, it was it was like everything that you I, I think it was I think it was better than the first fight because there was a lot of back and forth and I think it was you know better than the second fight where where Tyson dominated pretty much uh, maybe except for the first round. And I I just thought it was so exciting and interesting. And by the fifth round, I was literally just pacing my family room. I could not sit down. I couldn't sit down anymore. I tried to sit down after the third round, but I couldn't. And I literally, I was, I can't remember being that excited about a fight in, in a long, long time. And just how impressed I was with both men. I mean, it's the third time their their legacy rested a lot on this fight, especially Deontay, more so Deontay than Tyson. Um, although Ty- Tyson really cemented himself as one of the better heavyweights maybe of all time, um, or at least of this era. And Deontay could have gone a lot of different ways, but he put in the work, he put in the time, he put in the sweat, he had the heart, he had that fire. And it was back, and you could see it from the minute that 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 the fight started, and um, and it was fun. I mean, it was so much fun that uh, I, I keep I keep using that word. But um, I, I was walking around my house like I did, you know, when I saw Hagler Hearns. I mean, it was it was it was incredible.
0: It really was. It was like a man walking a tightrope, and what I mean by that is. Uh, we know Fury is doing well towards the middle and, and late part of the fight, but we know Wilder's dangerous and can land that right hand at any time. Right. And that's almost like a man walking a tightrope. And, and that's why it kept your attention uh, until the end there. Um, and he and, was
1: landing and he was landing yeah. the punches. He, he was landing the punches and Tyson was eating them. And for the most part, Tyson was landing his punches and Deontay was eating them too. It was
0: right. in- incredibly competitive and, whenever you trade knockdowns at the heavyweight championship level i mean it's something special it comes you know a few fights that come to mind is joshua ruiz the first time they traded knockdowns uh that was special uh joshua versus vladimir klitschko the same thing traded knockdowns and and that's that's another special thing um and this for this fight certainly had that um so we know that fury ended up winning this fight by knockout there was uh you know it was a good definitely a good stoppage i don't think uh, many people can argue that um we found it we saw clip come out last week, late last week, where after the fight, Fury goes over to Wilder's corner and tries to congratulate him. And Wilder kind of says, I don't respect you and wouldn't kind of give him his props in that moment. Now he, to his to his credit, he had just been knocked out. You you obviously don't have your senses about you when that happens. And, he, and later on, Wilder uh, put out on social media that he did congratulate Fury at that point. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because what what is different about this fight fight three versus fight two was that it really seemed like these guys didn't like each other the first few fights they they were kind of you know it was not an act necessarily but but they were kind of in on it a little bit it was more of like a show this final this third fight there was bad blood and they did not like each other um what do you think about that moment at the end of the fight there
1: i i think it was 20 months in the making the pandemic kind of built it up, built up the suspense. And I was waiting for that moment and I was waiting for that moment and I was waiting for that moment where, you know, were they going to get together? Were they not going to get together? And, you know, I was trying to pay attention to the commentary and um, I, I, yeah, it would have been, it would have been cool if Deontay, you know, hugged him in the ring at that moment, but yeah, he had just been knocked down. Um, And, and Malik, Malik was really classy, um, you know, in, in Deontay's camp and talking about how good Tyson was and how proud he was of Deontay and how proud that was, that was, that was some great stuff in the corner. And that's, you know, still to this day, uh, if they, if they just left the, the cameras on with the mics on in the corner for every round, I I'd love to see that. He goes, you're going to be so proud of yourself tomorrow, go back out there. And go do this and tomorrow you're going to look back on this and you're going to be so proud of yourself and i'm so proud of you and it was really you you had you 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 saw that you saw what a presence he was in this camp and the respect that they had for each other and the relationship that they had for each other and how malik drove Deontay. and um and and, you know malik said what a what a wonderful what a wonderful fighter tyson is you know and tonight we were we were the second best guy. You know we're, we're the second best heavyweight in the world, and there's really no disputing that at this moment. And um, I, those two guys could get in the ring, you know, anywhere in the world, and I'm buying that fight. I'm watching them fight. You know, they just they just have a chemistry about them. Do they do they like each other? Do they not like each other? I mean, I, I see a lot of the. You know, we're selling the fight. That's what our job is to do. So I see a lot of the the, the selling. Um, I wasn't in either camp. You know, I just hear what I hear from our producers. And um, I, I'd say, I'd say a lot of it still is hype. You know, do they not like each other? They fought each other three times, maybe. Um maybe not, but they were very good for each other. They really were very good for each other and they were really good for the sport of boxing and the heavyweight division, which, which, um, you know, is now back in the, in the, in the forefront of boxing.
0: It's always great when the, the heavyweight division, uh, is showcased this way. Um, you mentioned the coaching, uh, by Malik Scott Sugarhill Stewart, also channeling his uncle, Emmanuel Stewart, and giving really good motivational advice to Tyson Fury Uh, In terms of the claim of of the best heavyweight, I mean, yeah, you have to give it to Fury. Or, of course, we know Alexander Usyk is going to have something to say about that. He's undefeated. He holds three belts. Um, And and I'll ask you about potential matchups with him in a sec, but... First, let me ask you about this. I tweeted this after the fight. I said, this is the second time in this trilogy that Tyson Fury got up from two knockdowns in the fight, which is amazing on its own. Um, And he made it through that rivalry, that trilogy without a loss. We know one draw and two wins, of course. Um, One important storyline, I think coming into this fight, this is something I had said, and I'm sure other people said, I expected Wilder to work behind the jab more. And in this fight, Wilder only landed nine jabs the entire way through. This was eleven rounds, nine jabs landed all the way through the fight. In, in round three, in round one, he landed three jabs, um, and then only six more the rest of the fight. Uh, when he fought Stavern the first time, Wilder he landed 120 jabs over 12 rounds. So that, that's that's a steep drop off, and that seemed like a good <laughs> game plan in that fight. Now, obviously, Fury is a different fighter than Stiverne, yeah, much better. but. Here's my question for you. Did, is it just a situation now, if they fought a fourth time, a fifth time, onward, that Fury just figured out Wilder, and he knows that as the bigger man, if he stays the bigger man and keeps bulking up, there's really nothing Wilder can do to beat him? Or could Wilder maybe work behind the jab or find you know, work on conditioning? I don't know, something, and, and find something else to, to you know, eventually beat Fury if they were ever to fight again
1: uh maybe I, listen he may have landed three jabs but he 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 was throwing the jabs in the first round i don't know what the number of jabs he threw was in the first and second round but maybe they were landing maybe in, in round land.
0: one wilder threw 14 jabs in round two he threw 12.
1: It just see i don't know he seemed busier he just seemed the busier fighter um from the beginning um I think the third round was kind of startling you know and and after the knockdowns maybe the game plan goes out the window i don't know but between the third and the fourth round um that kind of set the tone for the rest of the fight and you know combinations were thrown and 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 you know when one guy you know just when you think tyson up you know tyson's gonna tyson's gonna take control you know wilder would kind of take a breath and come back and then just start throwing again i mean sometimes out of nowhere and um so to me yeah i mean uh, maybe he could have sat back and, and and jab but again tyson is not remains Stavern. i mean first of all size wise reach wise so it's definitely a different a definitely a different kind of fight for him and plus you always have to you know they're they're I, I would i would think that that tyson's a better knockout puncher than than Stavern. improved it in the second and the third fight um but you know to me that fight was all about the excitement and the joy and the fun and 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 how much that those two guys did for the sport of boxing in the heavyweight division
0: Everyone has a plan until they get hit in the mouth, as the famous Mike Tyson once said, and that's certainly true. And and to be fair to Wilder, I mean, we, we really have to give this guy a lot more credit. In the first fight, Tyson Fury heard the count of nine twice, okay? Twice. In a fight, you hear the number nine when you're on the, on the canvas or getting up. Uh, so that's kind of crazy. And then again, in this third fight, yeah. he was knocked down twice. So it's almost like, Hey, maybe if Wilder had a few more chances to go at it, maybe one of those times Fury wouldn't get up. We, we really don't know. Maybe he doesn't have to change the game plan too much. Um, so going, you know, looking ahead here uh, as, to, as to what's next, we know Fury got the huge win and he's on top of the, the world right now. Uh, but there's another undefeated fighter, Alexander Usyk. When I interviewed Roy Jones, he said, I don't necessarily want to see uh, Usyk versus Tyson Fury. I feel like it's a very technical fight and there's other people that should maybe get a shot. It could be more exciting opponents. Um, so, so we may not see, uh, that unification fight. Uh, we also know that Fury has battled mental health for a long time when he beat Vladimir Klitschko and became the lineal champion of the world. Uh, he kind of, you know, he gained a lot of weight and mental health took over. Um, he also tweeted that he may not even fight again. He doesn't know he's going to take some time. And we know Wilder was injured. Uh, he broke, he broke, uh, he broke something in his hand. Uh, he broke some knuckles, he broke something in his hand uh, I believe he also had a bicep injury So he's going to take some time to rehab And he's supposed to be back in spring of next year um, Who do you want to see Deontay Wilder fight next And who would you like to see Tyson Fury fight next
1: I'd like to, I'd like to see Deontay fight uh, Anthony Joshua I think that they're, they're made for each other um, I think Deontay would take them apart I think um, But I don't know Um, I just, I think that Deontay's rights would get through, um, more so than they did with, with Tyson Fury. Um, and I'd love to see, I'd love to see Usyk. I'd love to see Usyk and Tyson, you know, unify the heavyweight title. Um, I really would. And it would be, you know, at that point you could say that we have an undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. I don't think, I don't think Usyk is in Tyson's class. I just don't. Um, uh, I I wish Lennox Lewis was still fighting because I'd love to see Lennox Lewis and and Tyson fight. You know, two big guys, two very technically sound guys, two, um, you know, if you could go across eras, I think that those two are made for each other. It'd be interesting to see how Tyson dealt with Lennox's left jab, you know, that he could throw all day long. And it would be interesting to see how, you know, Lennox would deal with Tyson's dancing and his movement. And, um, but, you know, that's, that's in my mind. And, you know, I'm sure Lennox thinks about it every once in a while, uh, cause he still looks pretty good. <laughs> and he looks like he could, he could tie the gloves up and get back in the ring at a moment's notice. But, um, yeah, I I th- I think I'd like to see both those fights. I'd like to see Joshua and and Fury finally go at it and um and I and I think Usyk and 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 Tyson um you know where they were they finally unified all the belts for the first time and how long has it been current? It's been a long time. Um uh
0: for there there hasn't been a unified four belt heavyweight champion in the modern modern era when, oh, when wow. uh, uh, so it's never so it's never happened in terms of when there's been four belts that hasn't happened at the heavyweight level okay so, so that so that would be interesting so I tweeted after the fight I said I wouldn't mind seeing any combination of Tyson Fury Usyk Joshua or Wilder in terms of their next fights uh, I think all, all of them would be interesting um, it's it Joshua has triggered the rematch clause with Usyk so that's gonna have to happen first uh, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of really interesting fights for Wilder's comeback. Robert Hellenius got a big win against Kovnaski in their rematch on the undercard. I think that would be a fascinating fight versus Wilder. Uh, Andy Ruiz is out there. Um, th- there's just so many different people and so many different combinations, and, and I think there's a lot of options. But eventually that Joshua versus Wilder could definitely be a fun fight. And I, and I do think the Fury versus Usyk fight would be great, I think, to have that happen and to get that, uh, that, that unified, undisputed, lineal heavyweight champion, because as we said, that, that never happened. Uh, that hasn't happened in, in the four belt era. So just to close it out, to put a bow on it all, uh, when, I, I'm just curious, you know, how do you think you'll look back at this trilogy? You you spent so much time working with these these two men. Uh, the fight delivered, uh, you know, better than we could have ever hoped for. Um, how do you think, you know, when, when you look back, you've interviewed so many fighters, worked on so many different productions. Uh, you know, when you look back in five, 10 years, even longer, uh, how, how do you think you'll look back at at this great trilogy? Uh,
1: very, very, very special. Um, it's funny because I was working in LA in December, December first of two thousand eighteen, and I didn't even think to try and go get tickets. I don't know why I should. I was down the block from the Staples Center, and I should have gone and 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 tried to get tickets to the fight, but I didn't. And you know that's that's on me. But I watched the fight in a in a bar with a group of guys and you know screaming back and forth and ironically i went to the i went to what was supposed to be tyson fury's victory party i i wasn't i was coming back into boxing but a bunch of guys uh took took us to one of the bars and we spent half the night waiting for tyson fury with a bunch of english fans and uh, (laughs) we had a lot of fun but um he never showed up unless he showed up really, really late, like three, four o'clock in the morning, because that was a very late night. But um, when I look back on it, I'll I'll, I'll treasure these memories. Um, we got to go with Deontay to meet the Pope in the Vatican. Um, our crew went with him. I didn't go, but our crew went with him and I got to see all the footage. And we spent three days with Deontay and his team in in Italy and, meeting the pope which was very very special and um i I think it's a lot for these fighters even though it's been done now for the better part of almost 20 years every single fight every single every single big fight these guys have had crews in their camps and it's part of the landscape and um but it's still uh it still takes an amazing amount of of trust and time commitment. And it's just something that, you know, another, another layer of um, another responsibility that these camps have to deal with. And it's wonderful for us. It's wonderful for the fans, but I'll always look back on this as, you know, that these guys really trusted us to go into their, to, to let us into their worlds. And I always, you know, I always send off an email or a text after we're all done, just thanking them, you know, and it's really like, to be a part of it, to, you know, when they pull back the curtains and they show us, you know, who they really are and there's nothing like these follow documentaries in my mind, you know, I watched them before I was involved with them and then I got involved with them and, you know, I've been on the road with, with teams and fighters and it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's really an incredible process and, uh, and I'm always very proud of it. I mean, I, you know, somebody asked me about it. I was at dinner with a couple on Saturday night and somebody asked me about the Navy show, you know, in 2017. And I could talk about that Navy team for hours and hours and hours. And, you know, you think back to those moments and how lucky that we are, that we get to do what we do for a living. And it's very, very, it's really special. And I really treasure, I really treasure this. And this is going to be one of those that wow i got to work on those you know two out of the three trilogy fights and i you know yeah i'll be i'll I'll be proud of this for for a very very long time
0: if i get anything from that answer it's if you are again invited to a tyson fury after party you can't leave before sunrise okay that's that's your mistake right there um
1: i don't think he he showed up
0: (laughs) you never know Uh, Eric, Paul, and I want to thank you so much for the time, breaking it down, uh, talking about your experience producing these, this programming and, and breaking down the fight. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Karen. I appreciate it.
0: And that brings us to the end. Thank you so much for joining me and thank you to my guests. If you want to follow us, uh, you can follow at a t e underscore podcast that's on instagram and twitter if you want to follow my personal channels it's at c u r r a n b h a t i a on instagram and twitter that's at Karin batia at on instagram and twitter please subscribe on youtube YouTube youtube.com backslash karan batia Uh, Please check out uh, our show on iTunes, hit subscribe, give us a five-star review. If you want to email the show, it's asktheexpertspod at gmail.com. I am Karan Bhatia, and this was Ask the Experts. Thank you for listening to Ask the Experts with Karan Bhatia.